Baseball season is right around the corner and Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman will serve as your guides to the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world on Baseball Barbecue. In the run-up to the season, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and more. Once the MLB season returns, they'll break down the latest news and developments with their trademark wit and irreverence. Check out Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin What up? Man, we have had a lot of stuff happen since we last spoke, oh, yeah. including yesterday, our second firing of an NBA coach. It was Lloyd Pierce, um, who is the coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta is 14 and 20. They've lost 11 of their last 16 games. And uh, this last, these last couple losses have been the last straw. And it is not going to be easy as they're going to move Nate McMillan over a seat because 12 of their next 15 games are on the road. So mm. welcome to mm. the gauntlet. But they went ahead and did this before. Uh, they even got to that point. And so when when the news was reported yesterday that Pierce got fired, what was your first reaction? Unfortunate uh, victim of an uh, ownership with too high of expectations for this team. I mean, Lloyd Pierce, like, you know, coaches need time to develop too, just like players do. And Lloyd Pierce, he definitely wasn't a perfect coach. I would say he was definitely not one of the better coaches in the NBA with his first chance to be a head coach, which is why so many Hawks fans Wanted him gone, mm. right? Hawks fans too have higher expectations for this team, and a- as a team should, when you have a guy like Trey Young who can really, you know, elevate what your team is. Um, but ultimately, though, Chris, I, uh, my first thought, my overall thought here is that this changes nothing. It changes nothing. Like maybe you help your team a little bit. Maybe like Nate McMillan is better with rotations. Maybe he's better with timing for when to call a timeout. Little things like that that bothered Hawks fans so much about Pierce. But the fact is, is that this is still a young team. It's a young team with guys who are underdeveloped. Cam Reddish has not taken a leap in his second year. It's a young team with a bunch of guys who are negatives on the defensive end of the floor, especially their best player, Trey Young, who is one of the worst defenders in basketball. It's a team that's been through injuries. It's a team that lacks continuity, that made a bunch of changes this offseason with a shortened training camp, a shortened preseason. This team just isn't there yet. And firing Pierce might be, you know, the best long-term thing to do. But in the short short term here, I don't see it changing too much at all, Chris. How about you? 
Well, one of the things that we've talked about a lot, and I bring this up all the time, is when you have gone all in or you decide, you put a mandate down, we are going to try to be a playoff team. There is going to come a point when you do not, if you if you do not reach your expectations, that becomes a general manager versus the coach. And now you see who has the owner's ear because now as the disappointment continues, the coach is saying, look at my roster. Look at what was given to me. Look at the injuries. I'm going through, and I don't know what their chain of command is. I don't know if Lloyd Pierce has the owner's ear, but suffice to say, that would be his point of view, whereas the general manager says, that look, I built the right team. This is bad coaching. We've lost, uh, we've had uh, leads in 11 fourth quarters in 34 games that we've lost. If we had a different coach, that would not be the case. And again, whether that's true or not, you know that's what he's saying. And Lloyd Pierce, on the other hand, to say, like, look, you, you guys spent a lot of money in the offseason. Like, this would be me. If I'm Lloyd Pierce, I'd go to him and say, you spent a lot of money in the offseason, right? I have gotten literally nothing out of Chris Dunn. Rondo, I don't know why you did this. Everybody in the free world knew, right? He only he didn't even turn it on during the regular season for the Lakers last year. He turned it on when it came playoff time um, and was not good during the regular season for them. And now you're going to make him a bench player after he just won a title on a, on a rat team? Okay, so that was just stupid. Gallo's been awful, and that ain't my fault. I didn't make Gallo awful. He's just been yep. he's been bad for me, and I lost. Uh, and then I lost Bogdanovich, who was your other big money guy. He got hurt. E- even even their lottery pick Okongwu missed yes. the start of the season. Even I didn't get him. Yeah. And then I lost DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, who was one of their best players. Yes, and who has who I have developed, and it become looked like he was really taking a leap this year. Uh, oh, and also you got John Collins who wants a big contract right. and has been involved in trade rumors throughout the year. And we'll, and there's a good chance that he does get traded at some point, either this, this season or during the off season when during restricted free agency and a sign and trade lot change in there. The other thing he can say is, and, and this is true. I, I was reading this uh, Hollinger uh, wrote this article for the athletic John Hollinger. And he said uh, he had this number in there. Atlanta outscores opponents by 6.5 points per 100 possessions this season when Trey Young, Clint Capella, and John Collins share the court. In the minutes Hunter played with those three, they were an impressive plus 12.9. Yes, these are small samples, but that should, uh, should be taken with a grain of salt. But the eye test and other stats back up the idea that the core isn't the major problem here. And so... Again, if you're Lloyd Pierce, you could go and you could say, look at our numbers when I've got my good players on the floor. Like this is a, this is a roster thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I'm losing. You've, you've handed me uh Trey Young, uh, John Collins at Clint Capella and, and DeAndre Hunter, and I'm not winning with them. We're blowing people out when I've got those four. It's the rest of these guys that you signed, the guys that we brought in, without, you know, real training camp and practices and everything. And two of them have been injured the whole time. So, like, what you really gave me last year's roster plus Clint Capella. And now I'm down DeAndre Hunter. So I don't have that either. And that's the thing. It's like firing Pierce may be the correct thing to do. It might. Like it, it might be, but it does not solve the problems. Yeah. You know, all, everything everything you're detailing here. And, and this you, is your last straw if you're, if you're Travis Schlink. It, it is. I mean, sure. A- a- absolutely. Is we have already seen the general manager of the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. fired, passing on Luca. We've seen Lotte Divac drafting Marvin Bagley fired. And then we could very well see next, you know, the GM who traded Luca for the Trey Young and Cam Reddish deal fired at some point if they don't turn this around. And I don't feel a lot of optimism that they will, which is, you know, you know, what Atlanta's done in the last couple of years, that Trey, Luca deal, those guys are always going to be connected. But I don't hate what they've done. Like, on paper, I, I like what they're building. I like the vision of what this could become. And that's why I bring it back to ownership. This whole past year, it's been about, you know, there's expectations from ownership for this team to make the postseason. And that's one of the reasons why they go after Gala, one of the reasons they go after Ronda, one of the reasons why they go after Chris Dunn and do the things that they did. 
but this team's just not ready for that stage yet. And Chris, this this comes back to defense for me. You just mentioned it. All their blown fourth quarter leads. Atlanta this season is 30th in the NBA and fourth quarter defensive rating. They allow 120.4 points per 100 possessions, which is worst in the NBA in the fourth quarter. This is a team that's just not ready to get stops Well, in, in, we'll in, in that time of the game. We know Nate McMillan cares greatly about that end of the court. And through the three years that Lloyd Pierce has been there, there is no, there's no defending their defensive ratings. I mean, it's pathetic. And if you just want to say, hey, it's pathetic because of the personnel. Um, now, Nate McMillan is going to move over. Look, we know we know this. Uh, Nate McMillan had real struggles in the playoffs, and you know it had run its course in Indiana. Nate McMillan is a good basketball coach, and he might he might be able. You know, the East is so crazy. You might be able to turn it around. He might be able uh, to get them going. It's pot. I'm just saying it's possible, right? I'm not I'm not blaming everything I mean, on Louis th- Pierce. Th- there are I think- only three and a half games back from the Knicks for the four seed. Yes. I mean, like it's still four, so tight. From the yeah. four seed. Yeah, so exactly. I don't and, wanna- and right now they're at the 12. So like it's tight. <laughs> and I don't want to put it out of the realm of possibility that Nate McMillan could have them playing better basketball and winning some of those games that they've been losing. In the fourth quarters, right? Atlanta fans, Atlanta fans would know better than me. And right, when you listen to their fans, they, they turned. wanted him gone. Yep. Yes. They wanted him gone. They had turned on him, right? So who am I to tell a fan base they're not right about this? They are the ones, they're watching that team every single night, and they think the coaching is lackluster. And so now we're about to find out, right? Yeah, sure. I think I think this I think both can be true. That yes. It could have been the right decision that Pierce, you know, in his first gig as an first time as an NBA head coach, wasn't ready for the level of responsibility, especially maybe with a younger team like this that needs a guiding hand, a veteran coach like an A. McMillan. But also everything you said about the roster, Chris, I'm right there with you. 100% that those are the true issues that need solving. And that'll take time. It'll take changes to the personnel, trades, signings. It's also just going to take development which happens over the course of time and with younger players getting better as they get older. So for this team, it's a mixture of those two things. Expectations were just too high, too soon for them, in my opinion. This is the part that I hate, Kev. And you know that I have I have ranted so many times for four years that we've been doing this podcast together about the whole tanking thing and what becomes. that The guys that do it, they don't get to see it through. They don't. They don't get to see it all the way through. And so the guy, you know, he wins 29 games or he wins 20 games. He wins 29 games. And so he took all these losses on his record. And then I do think it's it is a different deal when you know you are consistently going to be non-competitive. And now all of a sudden it's time to be competitive. And all those players, you know what I mean? Those major players, they were losing those games, too, for you. And, you know, in the end. The truth is, Lloyd Pierce isn't going to get to see this through when it gets good, and Travis Link will probably not see it through when it gets good. And so it might, in the end, work out for the franchise because they got some of these lottery picks and they they were able to build a team. But I do think that it's a disservice to guys like Lloyd Pierce where you brought him in and, you know, it's like, like, how are you supposed to build a culture? And how are you supposed to? You're losing every night. For two that's years. A, that's what Popovich and Carlisle yeah. and, and some of those guys mentioned last night that you, you can't build a culture without continuity, yes. without time. You can't build a culture, you know, by pulling the plug after a year and a half. And, you know, well, the other thing I, is I'm this, right Kev, you have to, you got to have confidence. You got to feel like you've got a safety net. And you know, he did not feel that the whole year. He did not feel like they really believe in me. They're Especially sticking with. Especially yeah. after bringing in McMillan. Yeah, they're you know, that, sticking that, with yeah. me. You this, know what I mean? This felt inevitable as soon as McMillan was hired. Yes. Yes. Because now they had, that was their safety net. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we the move team had one, him, but, but Pierce didn't. You know, um, and so t- t- tougher, tougher Lloyd Pierce, he will certainly land on his feet and he will be, you know, he'll be added to his staff as soon as he wants, wants to be added to his staff. And I do hope he gets an, a, another chance as a head coach in the league. I do. Um, because I think he was, despite, even if you think he was 
uh, not good. He was dealt a, a bad hand. He He's just dealt, was dealt a bad hand, and also like just a good guy. Yes, just a good yes. guy that people around the league really love and respect, and see potential in him as like a leader. Oh, and I'll show sure you that, here. You know? People, you know, he was in Memphis. Um, here with the Grizzlies, people swore by Lloyd. Mm-hmm. They love him, love him. You know, there's nobody that knows him that does not love Lloyd Pierce. And so I hate this. You know what I mean? You, you never like to see bad things happen to good guys. And yeah. he was. If they had their whole roster this year, I do think it's different. I really do. If he's got Bogdanovich, if he's got Dunn, if Gallo doesn't play like a corpse half the time, you know. Because when like he wins with his good, like his obviously the numbers are the numbers when his good players are playing and they're playing together, you know. Um, but that just didn't happen enough. Uh, last night, I was so wildly entertained by the Pelicans Jazz game. That was a good one. I mean, okay, <laughs> so first half was pretty good half and the jazz looked like the jazz and then they come out in the third quarter and the Pelicans just bomb them out and flip the game completely. And then it gets to the fourth quarter and the jazz flip the game again. And this 17 point lead with 10 minutes to go is down to a bucket with the game (laughs) on the line. And I'm, I mean, just watching it all play out. And this is what I was struck by. And I really wish that I would have tweeted it in the third quarter because I had it fired up, ready to go. And I was like, I don't feel like getting into it tonight, but this is, and I would have, because I wish I would have, because I would have looked like a genius. And the tweet was (laughs) there. I watched this team and there are two different Pelicans team. There are, there is the lame one that forgets that Zion Williamson is on the team. And there's the awesome one that remembers Zion Williamson is on their team. And I swear to God, Kevin, I, I, that's in the third quarter. He's six for nine. He has 15 points. He has two rebounds. He has two assists. The team is nine of 10 from the free throw line. They shoot 65% as a team and they score 40 points. And then they get to the fourth quarter and he gets one shot the whole (laughs) the whole time. And they blow a 17 point lead. Meanwhile, Ingram takes like eight shots. You got Lonzo taking shots. You got Bledsoe taking shots. Zion Williamson came back and took one shot, and it was in a capsule. That is the Pelicans, right? You can watch them, and they are just this devastating force of nature led by Zion Williamson, and then you can watch them, and you can go, what in the hell? Like, how are you blowing this? You're up 17 with 10 minutes left to go. Like you and he gets one shot. And and I'm telling you this, it's he wasn't passing it. He never touched it. He's just not even touching the ball in the fourth quarter. It's bananas. Bananas to watch it. And they were able to hold on and get that victory, but you know, the sooner they figure out that's the best player on the team, the sooner they'll be a playoff team. As if it couldn't be obvious. That he's I the mean, best player on the team. I mean, there. I don't know if there's another player in the NBA who attacks Rudy Gobert with the ferocity dude. that Zion does. And it happened ever since his first preseason game against Gobert. He went at him last season in his first preseason game. And to see him do it now, you know, when he's even better, when he has even better feel for the physicality and the speed of the NBA. I mean, this guy is... How long is it going to be until he's leading the NBA in points where they, where they are force-feeding him? Buckets. Whenever that happens. Whenever they decide to. Yes. Whenever, whenever, like, like tomorrow, like Van Gundy says, we're getting like, you, you 20 shots that. a game. <laughs> I don't know how anybody could watch that game last night. I mean, Kevin, he was an absolute force of nature in the third quarter. There was no stopping him. Yeah. And then he they gave him the ball once in the fourth quarter. As a lead is just disintegrating. Bogdanovich <laughs> is hitting threes in transition. Though it is crazy. And I, this is the whole Ingram Zion thing. Like it's obviously like, you know, like, like I told you, Ingram took eight shots in the fourth quarter, right? 
he was the guy. And it's like they need to they need to figure out this pecking order. Like you're Robin, Brandon Ingram. That you're Robin. Like I, I know this feels like you're Batman, but you're Robin. Like this other guy, like the, the, you you mentioned the Gobert thing going at him. There was one play in the third quarter, and this dude, or maybe it was it might have been, I can't remember when it was. But anyways, he drove on like there was a pick and roll. He drove to the basket. Went straight to the basket. Gobert does the verticality thing, right? He ends up behind the damn goal, Kev. Like behind the stanchion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I, I rewound it five yeah. times. <laughs> he, ne- he doesn't push off. Like, I don't know anybody in the world that could do that to Rudy Gobert. And I kept watching it. Like, does he just pop him with his off arm? He never does it. He just lowers his shoulder. And when he goes up, you move like 10 feet. Like there, I, I, to clear that amount of space without pushing somebody, especially a guy that everybody has as like a defensive player of the year. Come on. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, I'm not excusing the Pelicans for not force feeding touches to Zion. Like watching the fourth quarter last night, there were so many instances in which like he's just kind of standing around the wing while a pick and roll is being run on the opposite side of the court. And there are some instances in which where I feel like the impact could be felt beyond the box score, sort of Gobert-esque in the sense that like Zion would set a screen, roll to the rim, cause the defense to collapse towards the paint, opening something up for somebody else. So it's like the impact could be felt without a shot being taken. However, like to your point, Chris, there, there needs to be more of a conscious effort to put the ball in the hands of your best player. And, yeah. and you know, uh, like that's the part where it's odd to me how they go through these, you know, ebbs and flows where they're feeding, 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 and then you get nothing. Well, the crazy uh, thing uh, is, uh, yeah. like, it's how do you not, balance that? Yeah. It's not Embiid, right? Like, Embiid, you have to have somebody pass that ball to Joel Embiid. Not as much anymore. Not no, as much saying, anymore. He's never bringing the ball past half court and like running the offense. Sure. He's not. Well, I'll tell he's you not, what. Uh, someday. He might. Someday he might. But Zion, the, the skill you, really, is there. <laughs> you really can just let him get the rebound and say like, all right, you take it up. Or have him come to the top of the key and do the cross court pass. And now he's got it 30 feet from the basket. Him with the ball 30 feet from the basket is not to the defense's advantage. You know, and I don't know, man, like they are, I, I don't, I don't understand that well, team. I really, yeah, they are the I, most confusing I, team I, in the I NBA. Think, I, I mean, like I'm in agreement with you. So I'm like, but I also think like in last night's game, Zion had a couple turnovers when he ran the pick and roll too. Royce O'Neal did a really nice job on him too. So I, I you got to give credit on that end too. Uh, I am with you to be clear, like Zion should be force fed more touches, more scoring opportunities than they were giving him in last night's game. But also Utah did a nice job and, and Zion's impact could be at times felt beyond the box score. If he wasn't the guy actually yeah, taking yeah. the no, shot, look, but, which is, which is a testament to who he is becoming as a player that like he can get you 25, 30 points, but his impact is felt beyond just, scoring those actual buckets. It's, it's a testament to his rise and greatness. Well, and let me say this. I I will say that, look, they won the game. They won. Of course. They didn't yeah, lose yeah. the game. They won the game. But yeah. against the, the team with the best record in basketball. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only saying they won that game because they force fed him in that third quarter and let him take over the game. And by virtue of that, they were up so big. I mean, they're up 17 in that game. And there was one key play where Donovan Mitchell had a break. He tried to get a little saucy and really tomahawk it with two hands. It flies off the back of the rim. Josh Hart gets a layup on the other end. And that was really, you know, the game. Uh, but that Jazz team, look, I will, and I, I give them credit because you're down 17 with 10 minutes left to go, especially with a million games you know, in such a short amount of time for all these teams, there's a lot of teams that, you know, just say, all right, we'll go, we'll, we'll, and, we'll and, get, and we'll get back. Yeah. And let me fought. sit my starters, let them get that rest. And now, but those guys, like they, they, they made the Pelicans make winning plays at the very end of that game for I sure. Am, for um, sure. And, and, and on that note, I mean, Lonzo ball, 
his development mid-season after starting the year, shooting the ball horribly. He's looking good, man. Like he 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 had some plays last night where he pulled up from mid-range. Yep. And that's something that back at UCLA, back earlier in his career, even just last season, you didn't see from him a lot. Working with Fred Vincent, the Pelican shooting coach for Ingram, for Zion and for Lonzo is clearly paying dividends. I mean, Zion even shooting 75% from the free throw line since late January. Ingram shooting the heck out of it from three point range, shooting over 80% 80 from the free throw line. Lonzo shooting the ball better. Like these guys are are all getting better. And that's because of it's because of Vincent and the work he's helping doing with those guys and the commitment that they're making. But Lonzo's development, it, he was a guy just a couple of weeks ago. We're talking about who's going to trade for him. Where right. the Pelicans move him. Do you feel like Lonzo right now is a guy that they should be trying to keep with the, with the blend they have there? It, uh, I mean, you'd have, to, I would have to be in their meetings where they're making the decision on, you know, look, we can act like you're not supposed to talk about this stuff, but I mean, you find out, I guess you probably have a gauge from last year on what they're wanting, you know, what kind of contract he's going to be wanting. And so you have those discussions, right? Like, okay, now we've seen it. Um, Are we losing him for nothing? In the off season, because uh, yeah. if we're like, like if he wants twenty five million, and you're yeah. like, hey, he, you know, maybe in some situations he's worth it, but not in ours. Well, I will like, say it, this. it could be that type of thing. I looked at it earlier this week. The numbers with him and Zion on the court are they're real. Yeah. So I would look at it and say, all right, when he's on the floor with my best player, what do we do? Like, is it is it a help or a, or, or you know, am I deterred from that? Can that fit? Long term, and the answer to that is yes, it is like they play great together uh, on the floor together. And so, I do think you have to take that into consideration, you know. And the other thing is, you know, are you finding somebody better than him? How How am I finding somebody better than him? Um, like there's a going rate. Can he be my starting guy? Can he be my do I look at him? And I would say that Lonzo Ball will be a starting point guard in the NBA for somebody. So, and I do think he could be a starting point guard on a good team too. So, Including on the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Reddick stuff? It's back up again, you know, as a guy that could move. You think, I don't know. I mean, there'd be a market. There's always a market for shooting. Always, always. Yeah, with J.J. Reddick, he obviously started the year shooting the ball pretty poorly. He's back, you know, J.J.'s back draining threes at this point. Of course, there were rumors about the fact that a Northeast team could have interest in him. Nets, Sixers, Celtics were interested. I've heard two other teams that could be connected to JJ in a potential trade, and that's Denver and Dallas. Um, so those are two other teams to monitor, of course, in the Western Conference so with New Orleans competing for same playoff spots. But ultimately, th- those are two additional teams that sound like they have some level of interest in JJ Redick. But we'll see what happens over the coming weeks. It's um, a better fit with Dallas. Trades. I agree. I like that fit. No, that'd be, that'd be, I mean, Luca needs guys that he can just throw it out to and he could count on draining it because mm-hmm. the Richardson thing has not played out like you wanted it to. No, it, which, which you is know. unfortunate, man. Like I, I, I thought Josh Richardson would turn back into Miami, Josh Richardson. Instead, he's a worse version of Philly, Josh Richardson. It, it's I don't want to say I called my shot on that, but I did. You did. You did call Dallas fans were right. all over me when I, right. it, they, I, you know what they got all over me at when I said that he and Tim Hardaway Jr. were in the same tier of player, which they are. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been better than him. I yeah, think. Vernal's <laughs> Ver, Ver, not wrong about that. You know what I mean? Not wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like Richardson, just one of those guys that always felt like he always got way more, you know, I don't, way more love than he necessarily deserved. I mean, it felt like he was getting better, man. Yeah. It felt like he was getting better and then he went to Philly and... That's a good... Si- yeah. Philly was a good situation to get open threes. It is. Like, I mean, yeah, you're playing... With Ben Simmons there and everything. That, but that's the point of, like, those are two of the guys that lead the league in three-point assists, Luka and Ben Simmons. I'll tell you, you know? what, that's one reason why that Philly fit is still intriguing. You know, reunite Embiid and Redick. Mm. Oh, those two had really nice uh, chemistry together. Add another shooter there. Well, this I is mean, the thing. Not, yeah, not nice how, cra- how crazy is this? When you mention that, like they're okay with that though, because they got Seth Curry, which Dallas should have. And so Dallas would be losing Seth Curry and now replacing him with JJ Reddick because they missed that. That'd be wild. You That'd know what I mean? Like, and that's like what, 15 years? 
probably difference between the ages of the two players. Like, yeah. so you you got rid of Seth Curry, and now you're replacing him with JJ Reddick <laughs> by by the middle of next season. Yeah. Like, why didn't you just keep Seth Curry on the team? I don't understand. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's what you want. But sure. I mean, we'll see, man. Like, he's gonna have a market. Brooklyn too. Brooklyn's interest should not mm. be, you know, understated here. They're they're just going after bigger fish first. Oh my god. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll they see do what not happens, deserve man. that. They got enough. Brooklyn. Ooh, they got they enough. Nice. They are figuring it out. Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. That game against the Spurs last night, DeJounte oh, Murray hits the absolute craziest shot to go to take him to overtime. Well, that was wild. Harden like strips him in oh transition. <laughs> I don't know how he made that shot. Like it's like he's fumbling it around on the ground, turns around and buries it. It, it looks like a you know, broken game 2K did. animation or something yes. like that, right? <laughs> now they're in overtime and this and the and the Nets just ran them in overtime. <laughs> Plowed um, them. Yeah. And that's, that's without crazy. Durant. And you see, like this whole road trip, they have been just devastating, and they are <laughs> it's crazy, really, dude. <laughs> they are really figuring things out um, for sure. They played some games without, you know, uh, Kyrie. Even they, they played these all these games uh, recently without dude, Durant. Durant hasn't played since February thirteenth, and they're still just racking up wins with Harden and Kyrie, and sometimes just Harden. Harden's numbers are freaky. Oh my like god! They are. The, yeah, the no turnovers last night. Like, and the, the assist numbers are just <laughs> crazy. It's outrageous. Really. And you know, I was listening to uh, to Bill and Jackie Mack, and they they talked about something that's been on my mind uh, since I heard it, which is really really fascinating to me. And it was part of maybe his last year's, you know, which was even before. Uh, you know, he went down with the injury. It wasn't going all that great with Kyrie there. We know that the Kyrie thing in Boston went poorly. Um, and one of the things that they mentioned, which I thought was super fascinating, was that maybe the destiny and what is best for Kyrie Irving is being that Cavs Kyrie Irving, where mm. he is not the guy with the ball all the time that Bingo. he was the guy that was playing point guard and running the show. And like we talked about like, when is the last time Kyrie really made a team better? And now it's almost like they've got this ball hardens the guy with the ball. And you get this version of Kyrie that is not like responsible for setting up the whole team. And he's never a guy that you would see get 11 to 15 assists, sometimes 17. Is, uh, he's just not that guy. That's not the way he plays the position. And yet 
those Cavs teams, LeBron was the one with the ball. And now he has conceded. Harden is the one with the ball. And you're getting this unbelievable, less scoring, but this unbelievable playmaking version of Harden. And you really are getting the best version of Kyrie. And he may be, that is totally reasonable to me that he could have just been miscast for so long as a guy that you gave your offense to and gave the ball to run it. And that's just, that's not when you get the best of him. Sure. And, and I think with Kyrie, we're seeing that with the numbers, having a, a borderline 50-40-90 season, 89.3% from the free throw line. You know, what a scrub. Yep. <laughs> Can't get over the 90% line from the right. free throw line. <laughs> but like with Kyrie, dude, he's he's a remarkable talent as an offensive player. He is a remarkable player with his ability to score. Running an offense and commanding and orchestrating over the duration of a full game Harden's better suited for that. Mm -hmm. And you're putting Kyrie in situations now where playing off ball more often, he's getting open catch and shoot threes. He's moving off ball to get himself open for threes. A little bit more cutting, picking his spots against a weaker defender oftentimes because Harden is that guy taking on the toughest matchup a lot of the time. So it's like all these factors creating a situation for Kyrie. We're, We're seeing the best version of him. And yet, Chris... It's not the best version. It's just not. That will arrive when KD's back. When you have Kevin Durant back with this Nets team and they're clicking on all cylinders, I look at them and I think this team, as good as they are right now, they're not near their peak. There's a higher level for this team, Chris. We're seeing signs of it. Bruce Brown, the games that he's having on the offensive end of the floor, the, the, the challenges that he presents as a six foot four guard being utilized as a rim running center, it captures better than anything else that I've seen this season, the state of positionless basketball. When you're using Bruce Brown in that form and he's racking up 20 plus points in certain matchups. And when he's rolling down the lane, it kind of creates a challenge for defenses in the same way that like Draymond does for the Warriors. You know, when you have, when you have Steph Curry and Draymond setting the screen, Steph, the gravity that he provides as a shooting threat is what allows Draymond to be open on the roll and to pick up our defenses with a pass or dribble and get to the basket. It's the same exact concept with the Brooklyn Nets with either Harden or Kyrie. Cause even though Brown is only six foot four, Draymond's what six, five, six, yeah. six, and he's not as heavy, but he has a similar skill set in that particular area of the floor. And the Nets are just shredding teams doing it defensively. You can play small with him, You could put DJ out there, DeAndre Jordan, play with a drop pick and roll defense. You could put Nick Claxton out there, play more aggressive, switch more screens, but retain size. We saw that in that game last night. The Nets, the the best version of them is not here yet because that will come when KD's back. It'll come in the playoffs when Harden, Kyrie, and KD are all locked in on defense. And I feel this team has more options and more ability on the defensive end of the floor than they're getting credit for. And that's even without whatever move they're going to make ahead of the deadline or during the buyout period. This team is awesome, and they're only going to get better. The Bruce Brown thing is an absolute revelation. Um, Number one, it's so funny to see him come back up as a part because somebody told me that he was like, he was like a big time athlete in high school. And it was like an awesome football player. And you can see, you know, with his physicality, you can see how Bruce Brown would have been an awesome football player. Um, And they figured out how to use him. And then when you were going through that monologue, I was trying to look up like why, why he ended up like being cast off from Detroit. Like I, I, why, why, Detroit just used a pick on him last year and he's good. Like, why is he not a piston? And you try to go through the deal and it, like, it's still hard to figure out. Like, why, why is he not there? If I don't, I don't know what, again, it's hard to figure out what the pistons are doing, but he would certainly, when you hit on a draft pick, a guy that's like, and, and if you get a guy in the second round, that's going to have like a long NBA career, you hit. I don't understand why he's not a part of whatever you're going to be doing. Well, going I mean, for, for Detroit, would, it, it, it was the Sadiq Bay trade. Uh, you know, they wanted Sadiq Bay, and th- that deal for Brooklyn. If you look at it strictly as Sadiq Bay, uh, and then the choice of Shamit or Luke Kennard, and they chose Luke uh, Landry Shamit, 
you could argue that Brooklyn should have just kept Sadiq Bay, but Shamit and Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's been dang good for yes. Brooklyn, dude. Like, and like yes. I said, their defensive versatility, it, it's really unusual. It's really unusual what they can do with their ability to play different styles. I, I think that's going to really serve them well in the playoffs. Well, the team because well, they're, they're, they're going to have to beat different types of teams in order to get to the finals and actually win the finals. So I like their flexibility. It's better than they get credit for. I, I can't wait till we get to see them versus Philly and they're both like full strength. I want to see those teams because I do think Philly can create a real problem for them within size wise. Embiid, yes, mm-hmm. Embiid, Harris, Simmons. I mean, that's huge. That is a big, big lineup. And obviously, you you could throw Simmons on one of them to hopefully slow it down or make them inefficient, right? And they still don't. They do not have anything for Embiid. They don't have anything that can deal with him if he is that locked in. I'm murdering everybody MB. Which, which he has been yeah. this entire season. And he season. has been. Yeah. So I mean that is the that is the team that I look at and I say, okay, these other teams, like they're smaller. Um but like the big team like that, I do think that, that could be that could be a poison pill. Because that that Bruce Brown thing's all fun until He's trying to get rebounds over Joel Embiid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I'll tell you what, man. Like, let's just say we're looking far ahead here. A Philly Brooklyn seven game series. Oh. They they're gonna pressure Embiid and force him to pass out of double teams and traps more than I think you you could believe right now. I mean, like they they're gonna pressure him like crazy. And Embiid, he's been doing a pretty good job at handling double teams, better than he ever has before. So, you know, Embiid, we talk so much about his scoring progress. I mean, he's having one of the best seasons for a modern-day big right now. He's in the middle of it. He's also gotten better at passing out of that pressure, and he's going to see a lot of that, like regardless of the opponent. But Brooklyn, especially because of the size limitations you're talking about, they would do that a ton. And well, dude, Harris has been a awesome. fun series. Harris has been awesome this he's year. Been good. Right? They've yeah. gotten a different. It's not Borderline just an all star. Yeah. Not a, it's not just a different MB. They've gotten a different Harris too. You know, they're and now they get a different Simmons too, for that matter. Everybody in that team feels like they are hungry and that they, they're playing like a team that got embarrassed in the first round the year after they lost a heartbreaker that's in a right. game seven to Toronto. That's what they're playing like. Yes. A team that's out for revenge, that's out to show that they are different and that they're grown and they've been through it. And you know what, dude? It, it wouldn't shock me one bit if that's the type of series that goes seven. Philly, yeah. Brooklyn, that could be an epic, epic well, series. <laughs> speaking of uh, that Eastern Conference, you know, you've got Philly. Um, we, we figured that there's going to, the, the teams that are going to be there at the end, there's not those three, I think are a little bit separate. I think you probably have to throw Miami in there because you give them the, you know, you, you're saying those three Philly, Brooklyn, and, and, and Milwaukee, and right? Milwaukee. Yes. Okay. And then yeah. Miami, you have to give them the credit for being where they were last year. And they are going to be with Jimmy Butler and Bam. As long as those guys are healthy, they can still be a hard out. And there's some tinkering that I think they will inevitably do with their lineup. So anyways, even if you just get to those four there and we say, all right, if somebody was going to bust through those, maybe it's Miami, maybe it's Toronto, maybe it's who or uh, Boston, whoever. The Knicks! The, the Knicks! Knicks. <laughs> but look, this is, I, I was thinking about this this morning. Think about how crazy this is. So we look up today, and you've got those top three, which you would have expected are the top three, Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Four is the Knicks, and five is Miami as of this morning. Now, that is by virtue of both of those teams going seven and three over the course of their last 10 games. But you see that from the Knicks, who are the four seed right now, all the way down to Chicago, who is currently 10th. There is a two-game difference between the Knicks at four, at four, and Chicago at 10. That is insane. Like, we're talking about the last home court advantage slot. The, the, the team that has that right now is two games ahead of the last team that gets in for a play-in. And it's That's stunning. Insane. And what I was thinking about is in just a week, week and a half's time, you see 
how uh, how foolish it can be for us to look at the standings when it's all so tight in order to decide who we think the all-stars are. Thank you. Because when it's so tight, and I'm not talking like there's a massive separation between four and ten. I'm talking like like it is this year. Because if you did those all-stars today, there is no discussion on Julius Randle. None. They're the fourth seed. And just by virtue of saying the Knicks are in fourth place in the East, you would say their best player has to get in. And now, so they got their guy in, but now does it look goofy that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo aren't there? Like they're fifth, right? They're fifth right now in the standings. And so, I mean, mean, Chris, like, look, you got to get Vucevic. In the All Star game, though, you, you, right. you, your coach has got to get Vooch in there. I know. To. I know. It's crazy though <laughs> to think about it, right? Like you go, if if it's this week, you know what those arguments are, bro. The fifth seed doesn't have, like why? Why don't they have the All Stars on their team? But I mean, things changed that rapidly to where four and five are now New York and Miami. I mean, listen, Bam, Bam should have been in the All Star game. He should have been in there. I, I had him in my fake reserve ballot. Uh, coaches obviously vote for that. He should have been in there. Julius Randle, I did not have on my fake ballot. I would have changed that. I was wrong when I first published that. Julius Randle deserves to go in there. It, it's the more Julius Randle does it, Chris, the more unbelievable it becomes to me, man. This is a guy I didn't love as a prospect. I didn't love him young, younger when he was young in the NBA. I didn't love him last year. And neither did Knicks fans. A lot of Knicks fans weren't happy about seeing Julius Randle like become a guy who's getting 30 plus minutes again this season. But he's proven that he's gotten better, dude. I I don't think this is fake. I think this is for real. We're seeing an improved Julius Randle. You can see it with his actions on the court, the feel for the game, the passing, the decision making, the effort on defense. It's remarkable to watch. I'm 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 having a lot of fun watching Julius Randle. (laughs) Last 10 games. Uh, and I mentioned they're seven and three in those games. Julius Randle, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 48% from the field, 42% from three. Mm. Unbelievable. <laughs> He's been unbelievable. unbelievable. And look, this has not gotten a lot of attention, but I went back and looked at these like last 10 games and like the net ratings for all these guys. You know who has the highest net rating on their team by a wide margin? Derek Rose. Wow. Plus six point seven. Plus six point seven. And their record's been great since they acquired. Like that is an under the radar. And you knew Tibbs was gonna play him. Like you knew it. And you know who's this is this this creates uh I heard uh Jackie Mack talking about this. It does create a bit of an awkward situation because nobody is closer to Tibbs than Doc. Mm. And it's the kid that's out of the, he's really, you know, not really in the rotation nearly as much anymore. Since the, you know, they acquired Derrick Rose and Austin Rivers has kind of been on the outside looking in. And so you wonder if they'll, you know, they move him somewhere or whatever else. But it's just, it's it's fascinating that Rivers, um, you know that his coach is so incredibly close. Like she was talking about how Tibbs spent so much time down with Doc and, you know, watching those practices and being around when he was out of work. Um, and now he's pretty much put his bench on the, or his son on the bench for Derrick Rose. And Rose has been really good for them. I mean. Yeah, I mean, too bad. What? Too bad. Too bad. Too yeah, bad. I mean, I mean like the, the, the best players are, are going to play. Derrick Rose is the better player right now. Emmanuel quickly is the, is a younger player. Yes. Who has been really good and deserves that developmental time. You've got shot creation with RJ Barrett, who's shooting the ball better than he ever has. Who's playing the best basketball of his life. And RJ, like I, I'm curious, Chris, because we got tweeted at yesterday with somebody giving us RJ Barrett stats versus John Morant stats. I'm not comparing the two. Oh, I'm not God. asking you to compare Good the grief. two, but the, the point of it was just the fact that RJ has really come along this season as a score. His efficiency has improved quite a bit. Like what, how do you see, how do you see, how do you see RJ developing? It's like, always, like, it's all, well, look, the Knicks fans are Kings of this. 
You saw it over the I, weekend. I'm, I, I'm not asking you to compare them, Chris. I don't want no. you to compare RJ and Ja. Like, but, but, you, but I'm wondering, like, where what is the developmental trajectory for RJ Barrett? Because for Ja, like, it's pretty clear. Improving the perimeter jumper. Like, for Ja, it's very clear. That's the next step. For RJ, with the path he's on, where do you see his career I going? I think RJ can be a super high-level starter, maybe all-star in the league. I mean, that's what I thought. I think that Morant, so we're, we're, you still I think Morant that, so. is yeah. a superstar. Like, he will be a superstar. So, so you see superstar with Ja, you see all-star with, with RJ. I think that could be like his ceiling. I so, mean, it, so it's like Zion, yes. meg, megastar, you know, yeah. potential like face right. of the league. Ja, superstar. RJ, all-star. Actually, I think it's fair to say uh, kind of like Zion and Ingram. Like Ingram's not a super. Like he's never gonna be a superstar. Like, but he he's an all star level player, okay. outstanding player. Zion is a different. Like that's like face of your franchise, best player on your team. You know that can go all the way, right? Mm-hmm. Zion could be the best player on a team that wins a title one yeah. day, and I feel that way about Ja. I don't think that's. RJ, but that that's not a demerit. Like I mean, and but uh, what I say, Knicks fans, like it's always small sample size theater, right? Um, to to make it look the best, and like the, there was that tweet that was going around everywhere. The guy from New York said, you know, was Chris Bosh ever better than Julia or Julius Randall is now? <laughs> you know, and it's like, I mean, it's it's one of the things you do love about the Knicks being. Decent again. It's great. You know, I love it. Is it I love like? It. But it brings out this irrationality that is just not. It's not. It. it it's founded in goofiness. Um, founded in let, goofiness. Let's get serious. <laughs> I mean, because I went and looked. Because I went and looked. In goofiness. Hey, I went and I like looked that. up. You know, they've been on this really good streak. <laughs> I went and looked up. RJ last ten games. It's good. It's forty four percent from the field, thirty five percent from three, sixteen and a half points a game. Like that's good. It's good. That's not unbelievable. But again, you can extract anything. So what was extracted that was sent to us is the last 103 pointers that John Morant has taken versus the last 103 pointers that RJ has taken. He's like, what the hell? Okay. (laughs) Like, how about that? Like, are we serious? Like, this is what this is what we're doing. Like, that's not. It, again, Ja has to develop that, much like a lot of his peers did, like Fox. Fox is a good, actually, uh, he's a he's a good comparison because Fox bad, was not a guy. the Kings aren't any good, huh? There, yeah, no, there comes a time where they've got to stop going under screens against you. And you just have to be able to hit it at that rate, you know, to where they the decision is not always... The screen comes, we're running back to the free throw line so that you can't just drive past us or whatever. Um, but that's the treatment he gets. Uh, but yeah, that Eastern Conference has gone absolutely crazy, and there's no way to figure out who's going to end up where. You, I mentioned Sacramento and Fox, who in his own right is having a very good season. Uh, but that team is in an absolute free fall, Kev. Mm, like, tough to that watch. Is, I do think we thought of them as not in that Minnesota-Oklahoma City class, but rather a team that is going to be competing for the 10 spots, for the opportunity to be in the playoffs. And lately, they certainly have looked much closer to the Minnesota-Oak City class than they have the other uh, ones that are all competing uh, for those 10 spots uh, in the Western Conference. Um well, I think they're. I think they've won one game in their last ten. Yep, it's against tough. Detroit. Yeah, it's and they tough. won by three. Yeah, and they blew. I mean, maybe the most incredible game of the year. Uh, for those that are unaware, they played against Charlotte the other night, <laughs> and I. I mean, you you could watch basketball for a hundred years and maybe never see. They were up. 123 to 115 with a pair of free throws and possession with 109 left in the game. 123 to 115, a pair of free throws and possession, 109 on the clock. 
Losing that game is like impossible. <laughs> really? It's like impossible. Yeah. Much less on a Malik Monk and one, right? <laughs> right? Like that's not, that's not what you're expecting Malik Monk, though. To, to, that's not how you're expecting. And, oh, we do need to mention, we covered last week about the whole, it feels like, uh, Rosillo said, it feels like a team down two, like 80% of the time they're taking a three. I couldn't help but think about that. When you see Monk drive, make it and get fouled. They were down two. So, like, that is the moment that Sacramento would take the three to try to win that game. But instead, or uh, I'm sorry, that Charlotte would. Monk went straight to the basket. And then he, the, the old the old school three-point play. Oh, that was nice. Uh, to win Monk's, that game. Monk, his last five games, 20 points. 29, yeah. 25, 21, 19. With great efficiency, shooting the heck out of the ball. Dude, I mean, Malik Monk, like he looks like a guy who is he he's got to stick year? around. I think he's contract year. Yeah, I believe so. Yes, Cause, right? he, Cause he was on the Fox team and Fox got paid a fortune. So he's already got. Yes, he, he, is a, he will be a restricted free agent this off season. So like you yeah. could say it's a yeah. contract year. Oh, and he's stepping up big time in that regard. Or you could just say that after a couple early struggles in his career, he's finally found his shot. He's a guy who used to shred teams from three in high school and in college he did, but he couldn't really find his shot early in his career for whatever reason it is. But like the way he's playing right now, he looks like a guy who forget about what we've seen. Forget about like the struggles right now. Malik Monk looks like a guy who's comfortable with his skill set in the NBA and that's a valuable player when you have a jumbo size point guard and LaMelo ball and a jumbo size ball handler, playmaker and Gordon Hayward, you can survive with a smaller kind of off ball guy in Malik Monk. So Charlotte, dude, oh. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard they might be a little aggressive ahead of the deadline Well, and, if and you're looking for really, stuff out there. Yeah. I've heard they'll be a little aggressive. Doesn't mean they'll make a deal because there's not a lot of sellers right now, but it sounds like Charlotte is sniffing around looking for somebody who can really bolster their team. So Monk could either be a guy who looks like trade bait, a good piece, good trade piece, or a guy that you keep and has, have as that spark plug in your rotation amongst all these other big ball handlers. So I, I look forward to seeing what they do. Yeah, that is fascinating because as, as you know, I, I, I was around uh, a team last year that went through this with, with Morant and it was like, Oh God, he's much better than we thought. Like the, the, your, your trajectory changes when you sit there and you go, "This guy is better yeah. than I than than we thought he was going to be exactly. in year one." And so now we got to recalibrate this thing. And inevitably, they are seeing that with Lamelo. They're going, "Hold on, now we can we can win and 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 and, and really win." Uh, faster than we thought because this guy is already good and we can go and like let's let's take some lump let's get to the playoffs and take some lumps in the playoffs uh you know right now when he's a rookie because we got him cheap for three more years the the, the mellow as a starter averaging 21 points <laughs> seven assists six rebounds shooting 43 percent from three 86 percent from the free God. throw line it's outrageous <laughs> it's outrageous well, what LaMelo is doing as a rookie, as a yes. rookie in yes. the NBA. Like, remember early in the year when we talked about some of James Rego's comments about like, you know, yeah, the, the the guys who start games, you know, have to be consistent on defense, yep. you know, you know, limit turnovers and all that. LaMelo is progressively getting better all the time in every way that he needs to get better. And it accelerates the, what they want to do. It yes, accelerates all And of the it. monk thing's crazy because like he... You know, even if, if his destiny, which I think could absolutely be so, um, being at the heater, he's the he's the the Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson is on yeah. a you know an out great team this year. Like, just he's the guy that could come off and like on a night where you may not have it really going, uh, he's dropping twenty five for you. I mean, you saw it last night with Clarkson; he came in in that. Pelicans game and was getting buckets in the second half of that game. And you're like, this is exactly why you want a guy like that. Because uh, when things ain't going so good, there's a guy that could come and just splash offense on the other team. Uh, and Monk's Monk appears to be that kind of dude, you know, which is crazy. Cause they had, you thought Devonte Graham 
was that kind of guy too. Yeah. You know? And Devontae Graham's out right now. And right, right. That's what I'm saying. While. It's giving him yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. And so like it was you wonder, sometimes you fall into this stuff. You know what I mean? No, the like James Borrego, um, like you said, those quotes at the beginning of the year. Like if, if Terry and uh and Devontae don't get hurt, like how long does it take? before we get LaMelo in the starting lineup. But then once he was in the starting lineup and played like he did, he made it undeniable. You could not take him out of that lineup after you had him there. But you stumbled into that. That was by virtue of injury, you know? Sure. And I think also sometimes you sign a player and they they got ripped for signing Terry Rozier to the contract that they did. And Mm -hmm. then Terry Rozier has turned around and 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 followed up and gotten better. He's playing to the contract, averaging yep. over 20 points, shooting over 40% from three since he got to Charlotte, making solid decisions with the ball in his hands. He he is another kind of one of those, you know, uh firecrackers for yep. them, right? You know, he's a spark plug for Charlotte. So that you have a number of those guys who can go off on any particular night. And then you have LaMelo Ball, who as a rookie is a stabilizer. He's a floor raiser and a ceiling raiser. Gordon Hayward, who was having a great season. Boston got ripped for the way they handled it, but people understood with the struggles, but he's back to being Gordon Hayward. So like this, this team is really, really good. Like they're not like we talk about, you know, those top three kind of being locked in right now. If Charlotte does make one more move, they could become that fourth team in the East. No, no, they no. Could. Miami is the fourth. Well, my, oh, sure. Okay. Miami, Miami too. Miami they too. Could be five. I, I guess I mean in terms of regular season record, mm. you know, they could be, but like, cause it's so close in terms of ranking them. Miami would be above them, but theoretically, you know, maybe Toronto moves Lowry. Maybe Boston doesn't make a move. Maybe Charlotte does make a move. Charlotte could be way better than people think they would be entering the season. Well, there already uh, are. Inevitably, we started talking about Sacramento, and then we started talking about the more fun team. But back yeah. to the Sacramento thing. <laughs> do you think Luke could be in trouble? Oh yeah, Simple I actually answer, think yes. there's a there's a little bit of that situation. What we just we, this is going to be a good bookend because we started the show talking about the Lloyd Pierce firing, and the truth of the matter is this. You've got De'Aaron Fox, and you've got Buddy Heald, and you got Marvin Bagley, and you got Rashawn Holmes, and you got Harrison Barnes, and you got Bielitsa, right? If you want to throw him in there. I mean, Bielitsa would be sixth on the list, right? I mean, anybody could do this. Go look at their roster. I mean, it sucks. You know, when I talk, you know how many times I talked about, like, how many guys do you play where you're just like, oh, that guy sucks. Yeah, I mean, like, anytime, you're, anytime you're playing Marvin Bagley for 35 minutes, you're stop. in trouble. One of the worst defense, <laughs> one of the worst, one of the worst defensive bigs in basketball. Chris. It's just the reality of it. He's a poor defensive player. It's tough to win when you're playing that guy for that many minutes. He's not ready for those minutes. <laughs> if you think they're losing because of Marvin Bagley, you are out of your mind. <laughs> you stupid ass. Look at their roster. You're not losing because of Marvin Bagley. Go look at the numbers. Look up and down. Good grief. You don't the people they put in the game, you don't even know who they are. They could walk in. Oh, to like your, Rashawn Holmes, right? They, no. Yeah, maybe like Rashawn Holmes. Wait, hey, look, Rashawn Holmes is uh he's he's had a very good season, but like this all like everything turned into a pumpkin and they're not. I wonder if they're gonna be sellers because people would absolutely want to get a Harrison discounted Barnes. Bagley. Yeah. They'd want to get a discounted healed. Barnes. Discounted Barnes. Like I do I think know, I don't know if they're discounted, but they could be sellers. And you wonder if, you know, does, does anybody there have Luke's back right now to say it's not his fault? Probably not. not. Right? I like, mean, they like, switch like management I, every two years, it feels like, like. Like I said earlier, it felt inevitable that Lloyd Pierce would be let go at some point. It feels inevitable at some point that Luke Walton will be too. You do. You think so? Yeah, yeah it feels inevitable. The team sucks, dude. No, oh, I know. They should. They should. They should. They should. It's. They should have never gotten rid of Dave Yeager. And you know, a lot of the same things Hawks fans were saying about Pierce, Kings fans are saying about Luke Walton. Mm. (laughs) And at some point, you know, you have a new general manager there in McNair. He's going to try to get his guy to be the coach. Luke Walton was not his choice, and. Like I said, it feels inevitable that he'll be let go at some point. Just a matter of when, really. This team, this team's horrible. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, Jaeger was developing those guys and was like they were on a trajectory. And 
Yeah, I mean, that was a whole different they just thing. set it back again, though. That was a whole different thing there. But I get it. But they changed management, too. It's like they, ch- well, they changed management and they changed coaches. Which, and franchise like, are we, which franchise are we talking about here? The Sacramento the, Kings. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, you would figure you would just at some point, you know, there was a point where, like, uh, Bob Kraft, you know, you read those old books where he just said, I don't know enough about this. I'm turning it over. You know what I mean? Like you, I'm finding the guy, and he found Belichick, and he got out of his way, right? Because he 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 had Parcells, and he meddled in it, and Parcells did the whole. You think they let you cook? You know, pick the groceries or whatever. And then he brings in like a players coach and Pete Carroll and all that stuff, and he's still kind of in the mix, and that goes poorly. And so then he backs off and he says, you know what, this. This is not my expertise. Let the guy do it. And you would hope that at some point, you know, the Sacramento ownership would say, you know what? I don't know enough about this. But isn't that the guy that, you know, thought that you should leave one player at the other end of the court to try to get buckets? Only play defense with four. Yeah. (laughs) When you're coming from that point of view, (laughs) it might not be. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how successful you're going to be is getting him out of the mix. You know, you mentioned Pete Carroll. You know, when I say I'm pumped and jacked, mm-hmm. that's it's from him? Pete Carroll. That's a reference to him. Yeah, yeah. He first said that like in the late '90s, early 2000s. Well, I'm going to guess that over yeah. the last five days, he has not been pumped and jacked. <laughs> no, definitely not with the Russell Wilson situation there. <laughs> no, that would not make me pumped and jacked. Like, no, definitely please. not. Definitely. I mean, it, it, really though, whose fault is it though? You got to put an offensive line in front of one of the better quarterbacks in, in football, and they have not done that successfully for Russell Wilson, which is a shame. The guy's got insane talent. Got to oh. protect them. Oh, for sure. Especially all you got to do is give him time. He's got a freako uh, wide receiver in Metcalf. <laughs> Just oh let him get God. time to get down the, the field. The, that whole like the entire up. offense from like the running backs they have, the depth, uh-huh. you know, and then the wide receivers they have, the talent there, even at tight end. Yep. They have talent in Seattle, but they don't have the offensive line. They don't have an offensive line. It's a shame. It's a shame. No. They'll either get one or they'll lose their guy. One or the other. That's, that, that's what we know. You're either going to see them have an offensive line or they will not have their quarterback for all that long, uh, to say the least. It's pretty cool. The NFL with all these uh, quarterback musical chairs, potentially. Yep. You know, It's going to be fun. We'll see what happens. It feels like uh, these quarterbacks now are doing a little bit like their NBA brethren, and they know they've got more oh, power yeah, than yeah. they have exercised, <laughs> right? They've mm-hmm. got more power than they have exercised in the past. Um, and so now, who knows? Like, But I, I don't think that this is going to become necessarily commonplace in the NFL, but no. it makes for an unbelievable offseason, to oh, say yeah. the least. It's been fun. <laughs> who knows? Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thank you to producer Sasha as always. Uh, if we want to take some questions on Friday yeah, uh, from the it. mailbag, we've been getting all kinds of great ones. Give them out that uh, give them that email address. So send us an email at NBA mailbag at gmail.com with any questions about the NBA or random life stuff, whatever yep. it might be. And we'll uh, pick out the best ones and answer those on Friday. All right. We will talk to you on Friday. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.